This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share His love. This past Sunday, Pastor Ryan began a brand new series at Radiant Life Church called At The Movies. In today's edition of Radiant Reflections, Pastor Ryan and Josh talk through the movie Darkest Hour and its spiritual implications. Here's Josh and Ryan. Well, hey, it's Josh here. I'm here for episode three of Radiant Reflections, the podcast of Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Glad you could be with us for another episode. Pretty excited. Uh, here at Radiant Life, we're in our series all about movies. I don't know if we've got any movie lovers out there. Ryan, are you a movie lover? Uh, I like to think I am, but I don't really know if I am or not. How do you know if you are a movie lover? I don't know. I mean, I, like, is there a metric? Is there a formula to that? I'm probably not, because, like, I mean, I'll sit down and I'll but watch movies. But I would movies think you are. Like, see, but, like, I'll watch movies, like, if I'm hanging out with my wife or my yeah. kids. But, like, if I'm all just hanging out by myself, like, I'm not going to go and watch a movie. Huh. I'm more likely to read a book. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I want to pretend like I am, but I'm probably not. Okay. That's well, fair. Any, <laughs> what did I say? I'm back with uh, <laughs> Ryan, uh, Pat, lead pastor here at Radiant Life Church. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to unpack... Uh, his message from uh, what day is today? Today, today is so, Tuesday. So it's this past this past Sunday's this message. Past we're, Sunday's we're a little message. bit late, uh, yeah. a little bit later this week. Yeah. Um, so we're in this series at the movies, and you decided to start this series with the movie Darkest Hour. Just real, real quick, give us like a like a tiny little snippet of what that movie's about. Yeah, it's uh, a movie on the life of Winston Churchill during World War II when Winston Churchill took over as prime minister right in the cusp of um, the Nazis are taking over Western Europe and he's got a major decision to do and the parliament in England is kind of split and he takes over as a very unlikely prime minister, but he's able to literally save his people and potentially save an entire country and maybe even America from the Nazis absolutely taking over the world. And who knows, it could have been in that movie, his decisions that he makes. I mean, we could be here now speaking German if it was not for some of the major decisions he made right there to stop the Nazis from completely taking all of Western Europe. Hmm. Crazy. Now, going into this series, you you had said you love this movie because... It was about Winston Churchill. Did you have a fascination with Churchill before watching this movie? Or like, or was it like you watched this movie and you're like, whoa, Winston Churchill is so cool. Like, un- <laughs> unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, so I, I, th- I may not be a movie buff, but I'm a history buff, right? So uh, in college, history was my minor, and I loved it. And I, I always have fallen in love with... World War One and World War Two. I don't know why. And the Civil War. Like those three have always been my sweet spot as far as like American history is concerned. And I just fell in love probably in college uh, with Winston Churchill and just his leadership and what he bring, what he brought to the table. Not only just a very a parliament in England that was absolutely torn in two, but what he brought as an unlikely hero. Like Again, like I said, this guy was a, by all standards, you look at his schooling, he was a failure in life. The guy had a, a speech impediment. There's a lot of things that when he rose actually to become prime minister, they're like, what? Like this guy of all people? But I ran across a, two of my absolutely all-time favorite quotes by Winston Churchill. He's so good in leadership. 
And uh, one was this, success is not final, failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Hmm. And especially, we talked a little, little bit of, uh, on the last episode, I, I'm a three on the Enneagram, I'm, I'm an achiever. So when I read that, it's like, it so speaks to just who I am and just knowing that um, failure is not fatal, right? And that, that idea, because one of my fears in life, it's probably maybe my top fear is failing uh, because I am a three, I'm an achiever. So that quote, man, it just enriches my soul. And then the other one, he says, he says this, and I think we're living into this right now with COVID-19. Here's this quote. A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity and an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And I was like, dude, that's a mic that's drop. Good. Like, especially today, here we are, COVID-19, and uh, <laughs> depends on what you see. I see opportunity. Like what we had or what we're going through is horrible and it stinks. But my lens that I'm trying to view is, man, I, especially for the church world, I see opportunity everywhere and not this difficulty just everywhere. I see opportunity. So those two quotes, loved it. Love Winston Churchill. If I could bring back a couple leaders that have passed away, uh, he would definitely be one to like, if I could have an hour of his time just to sit with and just, I want to hear from him. Go grab some five legs with Winston Churchill. Yeah, and, <laughs> and he he was a major cigar smoker, so yeah, he'd probably want to smoke a cigar too. They probably have to put too. that out. I don't, I don't think <laughs> they let him do that in five legs. <laughs> yeah, but man, he was just an incredible leader, um, and he knew what God he really felt like God had an assignment for him on his life, and he lived into it. So, so let's talk about that because you know, in your message, you you actually, I think, I think you had a quote of Winston Churchill as a teenager, right? Do you remember right off the top of your head what that quote was? I'm trying, like, um, my brain yeah, is tired. He I, was, I don't know if I yeah, that's right fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was 16 years old, right? When um, he just, I don't, I'm not going to get the whole quote because it was long. But he felt like that um, he would rise up to power at the right time to save a nation, to save his nation. And at the time, he's 16. He has no idea, but he truly believes that this was a God-given destiny for him, that he would rise to power when the nation needed deliverance. So he was, I mean, so he was prepped for this as a teenager. What would you say to somebody who's, who's listening and, or watching and, and would say, well, you know, maybe when I'm older— you know, God will have something for me to do, or you know, maybe when I'm older, I'll explore this. Do you think is there an age threshold for when people can start to live into what God has called them to? I, I mean, no, right? I mean, we look at the Older Testament. Look at Samuel. Um, this is Tuesday. You actually spoke on it during your at eight, I did. right? <laughs> Um, so I was actually looking up that and trying to figure out, well, how old was Samuel? Samuel was a kid when he hears God's voice. And so um, Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, um, writes about that he, they believe possibly that Samuel was about the age of 11 when he hears God's voice um, through all these other sources out there. And so you even have that in the Bible of Here's a young kid hearing God's voice. And no, I, I do think in society and culture, maybe we think like, well, when I, when I start a family, when I settle down, when I do this or that, God will have purpose. Man, God created you, as we say at Radiant Life, God created you on purpose for a purpose. 
And sometimes that purpose is revealed at a very young age, uh, and other times it just takes a little bit longer. And so, man, there is no age threshold. It could be a five-year-old boy or girl knows exactly why God created them, and they're going to live into that. And it could be revealed when they're 68 years old for the first time. Like, wow, I missed it. Maybe they've just missed it their whole life, and it's now coming to revelation in their eyes and their heart as like, this is what I was created for. Nice. Well, and sometimes, right, there's a there's a gap. Maybe it's revealed young, like Winston Churchill. Yeah. It's revealed young, but there's a there's a period of waiting until that actually comes right, to fruition. Winston but, was 16 when he believes, Winston Churchill was 16 when he believed that divine destiny came to him. He was in his 60s when he took over as prime minister and understood, wow, this, this is my 16-year-old, this is the God-given vision and dream I had when I was 16. It's just now being played out in my 60s. But it, but it was being played out in his 60s, but that wasn't like you know the, the 40 whatever years in between there were were meaningless or without purpose because oh, probably all of the right. things that happened in that in that gap right. are what al- allowed him to do what he needed to do. Yeah, know? he had to finish school. He had to get into politics to get him and position him into that position where he's going to take over as prime minister of England. So yeah, all that was God's working behind the scenes the whole time, and he may not know it at the time. Right, Winston Churchill probably did not understand that at the time until he actually took over in that role as prime minister and realized, wow, like I can see God's hand the entire time in the moment. I didn't get it, but now I see it. Yeah. So, hey, maybe maybe you're listening, you're watching, and you're young, and, and maybe you feel like you know what your purpose is, but it seems like it's it's unachievable. Maybe it, it feels like it's it's out there and you have no idea like when this is going to come to fruition. Well, I'll risk sounding like the movie Frozen 2, right? But <laughs> don't, you know what your purpose is, right? But, but just focus on what's your next next step. What's the next thing that you're supposed to do? What is what are you supposed to do? What is, what in Frozen? Have you seen Frozen too? Um, I know you. You really. It took you like until this year to me watch like Frozen year, One. Yeah, it? I finally watched Frozen One for the first time a couple months ago, and uh, I enjoyed it. I knew the whole soundtrack, like we had it. I mean, it years before I finally found Frozen. Frozen Two came out, and I watched maybe like the first fifteen minutes. And okay, so you probably didn't see that. I, I realize what I like. I like. I like history movies with like war dramas and I like action. So it takes a while for me to actually sit down and like watch a Disney movie. Like hmm. Frozen Frozen 2 was really good. Did was, you like Frozen 2 better than Frozen 1? I liked one? it better than Fro- the first Frozen. Interesting. Yeah. I think my wife did too. Yeah, it was good. Really yeah. good, really good soundtrack there too. Yes. Like Panic Panic at the Disco and Weezer did versions of some of the songs. Those are, uh, so I only know one of those names. I know Weezer. I have no idea what Panic at the Disco is. Yeah, Weezer's been around since like the Right, but who comes up mid-90s. with these names for bands? I don't know. Uh, maybe that's our next podcast. We're going to come, up, bands with band come up with bands come up with names. Or we need a Panic at the Disco. Seriously, what did, were, was that like a life experience for them? Like they were at a disco and they started panicking? I mean, what should be? That'd be kind of a cool backstory. Other than like you're just, hey, we sat down around a card table and... We just kicked around names. And- <laughs> I think it would panic anyone at a disco. Like no one should go to disco. Oh, dude, There's disco, panic. disco is not dead. Like I'm not, I'm not a music guy either, though. So any, any, I don't go to concerts. I don't, I don't. There's some good funk bass in uh, disco. Uh, I'm just gonna. Just gonna Speaking say that, from right? the guy who plays a bass. That's right. That's you call right. it a bass guitar? See, I don't even know what to call I, it. I just, I call it a bass. Okay. I call it a bass. Uh, yeah. All right. Anyways, 
<laughs> back on track. Back on track. Back on track. So, I mean, and we, we hit on this a little bit, right? But you, in, in your message, you, you talked about this idea that, that Winston Churchill had this divine destiny. And, and again, we, we hit on this a little bit, but, but what is a divine des- destiny? Does everybody have one uh, or only certain people? Like, I think sometimes when we t- think of, oh, divine destiny, or we think of this, this grandiose thing. I mean, yeah. you said, hey, like you're created on purpose for a purpose. Is that the same thing as divine destiny or is divine destiny? No, you're going to go and you're going to change the whole world. Yeah, I, th- like, I think they can, they can play well with each other. I don't think it's an either or. I just think when I say divine destiny, I just it felt bigger for Winston Churchill in that moment. Right. I mean, it just it felt it. But it does not negate the, the person that feels like I'm created for purpose on purpose and I know I'm I'm created to be a stay-at-home mom or dad. But in that moment like you Winston Churchill literally came on the scene and saved England. Like Nazi Germany that was next. They just have to cross the channel, take over England and then it was America next. They were crushing country after country. So it just felt I used that word divine destiny in the sense of man he knew it. He, he, he came on a very large stage that most of us will never, ever get to like that. But we all have, in a sort, our own divine destiny. It's just, what is God calling us? Like, we, none of us are accidents, no matter if your mom and dad never planned to have you. And you always heard that, you know, we have that saying, I was the oops child or whatever. Like, you, have, you may have been an oops to your mom and dad because they did not plan you, but you're not an oops to God. And God has a plan for your life on purpose, for a purpose. And yes, maybe your parents didn't plan wisely. Um, your parents probably knows what causes to have babies, but <laughs> they just weren't planning to have you at the time. But God has a plan and purpose for your life. He's got a divine destiny for you to live in. And that's one of the things that we here at Radiant Life love to help is understanding your gifts, how God created you, understanding your gifts and personality and meshing into those and living into your God-given purpose in life. And it's just awesome when you're able to do it. And you know, like this is, I was made, this is our saying, I was made for this. I know I was made for this. And it's awesome to live into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now in your message, which uh, station break here, uh, if you've not heard this message yet and you're, you just stumble across this podcast first, you can go check out the message at theradiantlife.church slash media uh, if you want to catch up on this. But in the message, right, you you compare Winston Churchill to the, the Israelite king that we read about in uh, the Older Testament, King Hezekiah, right? And you compared the tactics of, of the Nazis, you know, Churchill's enemies, to, to the tactics used by Sennacherib, who was the, the antagonist in the, the King Hezekiah narrative. But then you, you then drew a parallel to our enemy. And when I say our, I, mean, I will say humanity, um, especially you know, Jesus' followers. You say our enemy, uh, who's the devil. Uh, there might be some listening here that are like, really like the devil, like <laughs> the guy in red spandex and you know, the pitchfork and the spiky tail. Uh, who is our enemy? Right, so when we talk about the devil, who or what are we talking about, and what does that entity do? Why why is it that we we call him our enemy? What is it that he does that we we would view as antagonistic? 
Sure. Um, <clears throat> yes, he is red with red spandex <laughs> and horns and always a pitchfork. You always have to have that pitchfork. No, uh, Hollywood has done a great job uh, ruining actually what the enemy of our soul looks like, right? Um, he is not red with little horns and spandex with a pointy tail and a pitchfork. Uh, we're told in scripture that he is our deceiver. He's the father of lies. And on a side note, my kids, <laughs> I've always told my kids, uh, you, are more like, you are more like the devil when you lie because that is who the devil is. He's a liar. And so the other day, um, I didn't full out lie. Like, you know, you know parents, parents listening, you know what I said. Like, you're, I'm not telling the full truth, but I'm not like fully like, Uh-oh. you're doing one of those <laughs> things. Like, no, I, I, I know what it is now. I'm backtracking. Um, I know what it is. I said I was going to do something. I didn't do it. And so, you know, the kid said, then you lied. I was like, no, it's just it didn't happen today. I didn't, you know, or whatever. And then one of my kids says, you know, you're like the devil right now, Dad. And so, like, they're using that against me. But it's, yeah, that's fun. Um, but he deceives. Like, it, the idea of the enemy of our soul is if you have, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to understand the whole idea of what the enemy of our soul, what the saint and what devil wants to do is destroy us. He absolutely wants to destroy our God-given gifts. He wants to get into our head, chirp negativity, chirp intimidation, chirp all that stuff, get us off track from living for God. Like that's what he wants to do. And so absolutely, like, we have to recognize that, that we're, we don't go through life sitting here willy-nilly. No, there is a spiritual battle happening all the time that we can't see. And you have a target on your back. You do. And we just have to be more aware. I, I feel like we as followers of Jesus, we may not fully understand the spiritual world and realm, which, side note, for you Radiant Lifers listening, like, our goal Lord willingly, this summer, so we're going to talk about spiritual warfare and tactics and what does it look like. And um, I mean, that's our plan now. COVID-19 may change some things, and we may have to put that series aside for a little bit. But that's our goal, is to understand that every day is a spiritual battle. It's happening. And uh, I had a great conversation with my own kids about that a couple, it was a, last week. Um, my kids are falling asleep, and they just had questions about God and the Bible. And so my wife pulled me in and says, hey, let's have this conversation with our kids. And some of that, like, they didn't understand that there's a battle all around them. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, but would, if God would ever allow you to see it, would you want to see it? And my kids are like, well, do they see me right now? I'm like, oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> like, there's a, like, it was like a whole nother. This is the physical realm and there's a spiritual realm. But yes, Satan's out there. He's the father of lies. He's a deceiver. He's going to try to get in your head and absolutely trip you up and chirp into your mind to get you derailed from what you were created to do in living for God. Right. I mean, and ultimately, if he can, he can derail you to the point of, of cutting you off from God. Well, not that, I mean, not that he has, he doesn't have more power than God. He does, right. In, right. The devil is limited in power. You got to remember, he does have some power, but he has no authority. Right. Right. All authority lies in Jesus, and Jesus has authority. And I often say, we got to remember when we're in a spiritual battle or there's a mind battle, remind, remind the devil of his fate. He's defeated. And just keep reminding. And, and we have power and authority over him. Right? We have the Holy Spirit. We have the presence of God in us. But so many times he derails us. 
and we fall into those lies and the sneakiness that he's attacking us with. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you talked about spiritual battle, which is, I think is another thing that Hollywood has done a good job jacking up people's perception of. And, and quite frankly, quite frankly, I think there are some, some Jesus, and I want to be, I want to tread a little careful, but I think there are some people within the church that have maybe presented spiritual warfare in a way that is not helpful. So when we, when we talk about uh, spirituality and we talk about it, we kind of use this battle language. Um, do you do you think it's ever divisive? I've actually I've heard this argument that when we when we use battle language, which is all throughout, I mean all throughout Scripture. But people say, oh, well, it's divisive. You know, when you, when you talk about a battle, it's not really a battle. Like, what would, you, what would you say that where do people get into trouble viewing spirituality through a battle lens? And what does it look like to take a healthy approach to that? Is there, is there some sort of balance? What? Yeah, I don't... I, so I don't know if I'm going to fully answer your question. So you, you chime in on answering your question as well. But I think right now, it, I think in church world, like capital C Church, that you have two extremes when it comes to spiritual warfare and battles. You have the extreme of like, oh, we talk about it too much. Like God will deal with that type stuff. Like we don't have to worry about it. We're, we're physical beings, but yet we are spiritual beings as well. Um, that end of, hey, it's not... Don't worry about it. God's fighting that for us. Then you have the other extreme of there's a demon and Satan behind every bush in life. And so you have those very two extremes. And I think that's in the church world where we get in trouble is we swing to one of those extremes. Because the reality is, as you said, in, in Scripture and in God's Word, there, it's everywhere that there is a real battle happening. Even <laughs> the book of Ephesians, it's right there where Paul tells us as followers of Jesus to put on the full armor of God. Because why? There's a battle. Mm -hmm. There's principalities, there's evil, there's darkness, there's the enemy of your soul that wants to destroy you. You have to put on the full armor of God. There's a battle. And I often say, and a lot of people want to question, especially during, I think, COVID-19 and just this idea of... Um, I had a great conversation with someone and, and they realized that they were thinking that COVID-19 was from the devil. And so my question, because we want to think that there's a demon and the devil behind everything. And so my question was, do you think the devil was in a science lab formulating this virus? And they realized, well, okay, maybe not. But I said, but the devil can use this for evil, right? And that's the difference. And so, um, with mental illness, there are the extremes that want to say anxiety is, is a demon, but then there's the other extreme that says anxiety is not a demon. Um, I think there's a soft balance there. And I always say when it comes to counseling, things like that, is I always want to check the spirituality of the person first. Let's make sure, first and foremost, you are good with God and spiritually there isn't. Because if there is oppression, which is real, there is demonic oppression that can happen on a follower of Jesus in their life, that can happen. I want to make sure that what you're facing in your mind right now is not that. Right. And then, hey, it's not that. Checklist, awesome. Now we can go into other things. Hey, there 
there's chemical imbalances. Like you may need some medication type stuff, but I don't know if I fully answered your question. No, well, I mean, two, two other little things. Uh, I just want to kind of kick around with that. You know, you, you talk about the people that are, there's the demon behind every bush. Uh, I think sometimes too, we can use that as an excuse. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, can. it's that classic, Hey, the devil made me do it. The devil, the devil didn't make you do nothing. Like, you know, <laughs> he may have I mean, chirped in your mind, but you <laughs> still have um, free will. You still act upon things. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in Scripture, I believe it's in the book of James. Uh, correct me if, if you know it right off the top of your head. But it talks about how by our own evil desires, you know, we're led away. I mean, we can come up with all kinds of yeah. really bad things without any input from the devil. <laughs> <laughs> We're really good. It's called sin in our life. That's yeah. what it's called, right? It's sin, and we're broken. And so, yeah, sometimes we are our, the, the quote is, we're our own worst enemy sometimes, right? Because we are. Like, sometimes I think the devil can sit back with his arms crossed and sit there and go, man, I got it easy on this person because they're doing a great job themselves, <laughs> like, because yeah, yeah. of free will. But So, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's an unhealthy approach. The other, the other aspect of that is, is sometimes you see within church world, and by the way, uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, what in the world do they mean when they say capital C or big C church? We're talking about the church all around the globe, like the, 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 the church universal versus like a lower, lower C Yeah, and thanks for saying TV. that because I, I said that a couple weeks ago during one of my messages, and I got home and my, my, my teenage daughter's like, Dad, why do you say capital C church? Almost like mad at me for saying it. And I had to explain. Like, but she's like, well, why do you have to say capital C? Because I'm like, it means universal. It's like all of us. But yeah, thanks for versus, clarifying Versus that. the lowercase, we're, just, we're talking about like the local church. The local, local church, church, your local church, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so one of the other ways that this can be unhealthy is when, when followers of Jesus approach uh, life with this battle mindset, but they ignore what Paul says. Paul, you know, because you referenced Paul and talking about the, you know, the armor and all of that. Yeah. And he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Unfortunately, I think sometimes over the, over the history of uh, capital C Church, right, we have had a battle mindset, but our enemy is other people. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's, uh, it's you know, a group with a different perspective, whether it's another, you know, uh, religious group, you know, you look, yeah, I mean, we don't yeah. have time to get into the crusades or anything. <laughs> I mean, but, but I mean, I mean, there are times where, where we have this, but you even see this uh, uh, now, you, you know, scroll through social media and it's like, well, okay, hey, hey, <laughs> your battle isn't against that other person, right. right? I mean, your battle isn't against even, we'll get, we'll get slightly political here. Your battle is not against the president of the United States. Yep. You don't have to agree with him. You, you don't have to, you don't have to have voted for him. But your battle is not ultimately against him, right? I mean, oh, I don't know if you wanted to no, speak I mean, that <laughs> no, that's awesome because yeah, you may not agree politically, but that doesn't mean that's my battle isn't against that person. My battle, the battle that really happens is, am I loving that person? Because obviously, the devil wants to derail you, and hey, don't love the president or the governor you didn't vote for. Right? Like, no, that's not my calling on my life. I don't ever want to become president of the United States. I don't ever want to become the governor of Michigan either. I may not agree with every decision they're making, but I need to be praying for them because I think they're, I don't want my, I don't want hard times to create in me a hard heart. Right. And so I need to be on my knees praying for them. They have tough decisions and I guarantee you 
they're probably making decisions. Now, we have a Republican president, a Democratic governor, okay? So they are probably making decisions based on what they think is best for people. And I can applaud that. Right. Thank you for looking out for people. And I may not agree with every step along the way, but I want to pray for you. I want to love you. I don't know how we got on this love thing. That's all right. Well, that's, that, that's, that's okay, though. I mean, because one of the things you mentioned is prayer, right? And that was a, that was a key component in your message. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you led us right into where, where, where we can go with that. So, I mean, because you talked about prayer as a, as a weapon, right? You talked about how prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Um, how, does, how does that work? How is prayer a weapon, right? I mean, if, if I'm sitting here, you know, listening or watching, and, and I'm like, well, yeah, really, does, does prayer really work? Yeah. Isn't it just a psychological thing for the person who prays? <laughs> uh, I mean, what, what would you say? What would you say yeah. to, to that? Well, when I say prayer should be our, be our first response, not our last resort, here's, here's human nature. Human nature says, act first. Right? What can I do quickly? Like, I, I got to do this first, right? I, I'm going to act, act first to try to figure out something or do something instead of, you know what, I, maybe I need to pray first and seek holy counsel from my heavenly father before I go and do this thing. Um, you know, I don't remember what the quote was, who the author was, but um, how prayer will always, prayer may, not, prayer may not change the thing that you're praying for, but it will always change you. And what I've noticed in my own prayer life is that my prayer will always align my heart to my heavenly father's heart. My prayer life is always, man, I'm in the presence of God, and above everything, that changes everything right there. And so that's how prayer is a weapon, is that I am, I am literally like ushered into the presence of God in the moment. I'm communicating with my heavenly Father. And prayer is not just, prayer is not something we do. Prayer is a lifestyle. Like it's an ongoing communication thing. You do not have to sit there and go, dear heavenly Father, and then my prayer starts. Like, no, like <laughs> it's a constant communication with him. It's a lifestyle. It's a habit. It's all the time type thing. Um, it's a conversation piece. But prayer is not always just you talking. Prayer is also you listening. Because prayer is communication between us and our Heavenly Father. And think about this. For those that are married or in relationships, what kind of relationship would it be if you're the only one doing all the talking and you never let that significant other talk back? Like, that's just kind of weird, right? Like, that would be think, a very weird relationship. I think the book of Proverbs probably has a couple of things to say about that. <laughs> and so you have to also sit back and especially you're facing a hard decision or a hard, there's something difficult in life. You have to, instead of just acting, hold on, I'm going to pray in this moment because the best tactic in, my, in this difficult time is I need a word from God. I need to know, I need to know what to do. I need to know what my Heavenly Father thinks. I'm going to fall on my knees first and get that, and then I will act. But God has also given us wisdom and strength to also act, because I think right. the flip side is, well, I'm never going to move or act because I haven't heard yet. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, sometimes you may be waiting and waiting and waiting, but God's like, dude, there are burning bushes and evidence everywhere. Your eyes, you're too busy talking. 
and there's burning bushes and signs I've given you all over the place. I wonder if our pace of life during COVID-19 has slowed us down to realize that there are burning bushes all over the place, referring to the Moses story when God appears to Moses in a burning bush. But we are so fast-paced individuals. We're human doings and not human beings. And in our human doingness, we've missed so many moments when God's trying to speak to us. And COVID-19 is causing us to come back and slow down and rest and really have a prayerful lifestyle to realize it's this constant communication with God and not just, it's, a, it's an event, it's a thing. No, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I also think, just real, real quick in closing too, I mean, because you, you didn't say like prayer changes us, but prayer does also have an impact. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean outside. Absolutely. I mean, there, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, I don't have a scientific study necessarily, but I mean, I've seen too many things in my life where, you know, I've prayed, other people have prayed. I mean, it, it has had external impact. Absolutely. I mean, whether, I mean, we've had people here for our first Wednesday prayer service, I mean, miraculous healings. I, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, there is an external uh, impact as well. It's just sometimes I think we think, oh, well, hey, God doesn't answer <clears throat> every single one of my prayers the way I think he should. Mm -hmm. So it, it doesn't work. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Prayer does change. I mean, prayer changes things, external and internal. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Cool. All right, well, hey, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode three. Uh, again, just another fun conversation here with Pastor Ryan. If your podcast platform allows, don't forget to rate us, subscribe us, give us any feedback that you have. Go ahead, you can throw some comments on, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe to the Radiant Life Church YouTube channel. That way, when we, when we, Put new content on there. You'll you'll be aware of everything that's going on. Again, I'm Josh, and you're Ryan. Sorry, <laughs> I pointed. I know you were doing that. I pointed at you, and you weren't looking. We'll get it right next that's time. Right. <laughs> uh, we're glad you could hang out with us here for episode three of Radiant Reflections. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.